It's a beautiful fall right now and our friends at Manscaped want to make sure it's beautiful when your pants fall. Don't let the trees be the only thing dropping their excess leaves and give your trunk the look it deserves with the leaders in male grooming and their fourth generation performance package. Boys, get your baby makers ready for a cuffing season like no other and join the 4 million men worldwide using Manscaped. Make sure you go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the code TRUEFOOTY20. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to True Footy Podcast 90, the final podcast before Europe. Bush. Oh, baby. I'm headed away. You'll be <laughs> enjoying the uh, wintry August here in Perth and I'll be sipping sangrias on a Santorini beach. Oh, truths. I'm not actually going in Greece, but uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I headed off to um, Germany, Spain, Portugal, England, uh, Holland as well. Western so, Europe. Yes, yes. The, um, yeah, Spain, Portugal, we've never been before. So uh, yeah, I might come. Ibiza. I'm not going to Ibiza anymore. <laughs> oh. Canned it, yeah. Um, we left it too late and I'm also 28 years old Um, but uh, looking forward to it and uh, I may just as a disclaimer come back three times the size of what I currently am because there's going to be a lot of beers nice Um, so yes bear with us on the channel for the month of August guys it's a shit time of the season to leave but unfortunately it's the best time to go to Europe yeah Um, but enough about me Bush how are you yeah I'm pretty steady fun times our mullets are getting more and more disgusting oh yeah (laughs) this uh, my hair's curly but when I, I, my stepmom straightened it for a joke once <laughs> and it was just awful. Oh, I remember when I was like 13 or 14 because I had real curly hair, like it was real bunched in curls. My auntie straightened it one day, it went ranger. Really? Yeah. That is a it good reason weird, yeah. not to straighten your hair. Yeah, no, I'm I've, I've never straightened it again. Mm. Yeah, I felt soulless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to any redhead uh, fans of True Footy. Um, this is probably the last time you're going to see... Uh, my hair on the pod this filthy I'm going to cut it because I was advised that I might, might not get let into some clubs if I have hair like this <laughs> in Europe so I can and meanwhile that. I'm keeping mine so I can get admitted as an officer of the Supreme Court that's true <laughs> it's the only thing motivating me to get that done is just rolling up there with a filthy ass mullet and seeing the look on a judge's face yours is looking particularly 80s today I reckon very vintage yeah, it is good you do grow a good mullet um, but anyway, it's, my, it's a once a decade thing for me. Like mm. literally my last one was like 2012. So it's like every decade to look forward to the 2032 Bush and Mullet, everyone. Oh God. So in 10 years, we're going to be approaching our forties with mullets. Emma. <laughs> ah, bring it on. I'm going to be married <laughs> anyway. Um, cool. All right. Let's talk about football. Um, yeah. So we did a pod uh, a month ago or so, maybe. Uh, six rounds ago. Six, it was post oh, round wow. 12. Yeah. God, I'm slacker than I thought. Um, and we just talked about our perceptions of like the rankings of where everyone was at because uh, we hadn't done one for a while yeah. before that. Uh, and it's fair to say a lot of it was all right, but uh, some of it's been messed around by the yeah. subsequent form, particularly of teams like St Kilda, um, who have yeah thrown their not thrown their season away, but you know I think they've won one of their last six. Yeah, a few teams have gone up, a few teams have gone down. Mm, exactly. So. Um, we won't rehash the exact same pod, but we'll talk a little bit about where things sit, Bush. Um, we'll start at the top, eh? Yeah. Like, uh, at the moment, it seems like Geelong are the form team of the comp. In fact, they're ranked first on the ladder. And they've got the easy run home, apparently. Yeah, right. Interesting, yeah. Uh, except for their big clash against West Coast in round 23 at GMHBA. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think the Ge- Ge- reason Geelong are consistently high on the ladder other than winning games is their percentage is always really strong Uh, they are really good at putting teams to the sword um, which is really the difference I think um, as we're seeing on the ladder you know I can't remember what it looks like right now but not long ago the second and sixth were like separated by percentage or Uh, I think that might have been the live ladder I was looking at but either way obviously the difference between top two and, and potentially falling all the way to sixth is 
A, the ability to get over the line like they've done, uh, but also to put teams away. And that's something Geelong's been really good at over a number of years. Even I think last year or the year before, they, I mean, their percentages have always been around that 130 mark, which uh, I think is kind of like the premiership standard. So uh, what do you make of the Cats and how do you think they compare against the Demons as the best side of the comp? Well, a few weeks about, yeah, the last podcast we would have clearly had Melbourne, even though they were starting to hit these troubles that we've seen. Like, But you would have figured back then that they would have had it more figured out by now than they do. Mm. They've still got some of those vulnerabilities they're going to need to work through to get back to being the Melbourne that kills everyone. Mm. But Geelong's just sort of been that team that's, for years, they've just built off having that consistent platform that they can assault each year with and sort of give themselves an opportunity to have a crack. It actually astounds me how consistent they are. It's ridiculous. For a side that's quite, you know, an ageing list um, and have been criticised for not bringing in youth, the, the fact that they sit first on the ladder in 2022 is a huge, like, um, what's the word, testament to, to the way they've managed to go about it. Like, I think as a club, as a team, sorry, as a fan that supports a team that I think has been looking at the same model, like holding on to some older players, not investing in youth and I think trying to adapt a Geelong model, we have obviously, by comparison, been way more up and down. Whereas Geelong are just consistently there, and it's it's incredible. Uh, I think I think I think a lot of credit needs to go to uh, Chris Scott, who's probably a little underrated as a coach. He's oh. a weird one because on the one hand, you sort of there is scope to shit on him a bit, but then at the same time, there's like he's done so well for so long, like to yeah. give them the opportunity every year, even if he's not necessarily capitalised on it, except those early years, po- real post. Bomber Thompson. I think if you're just looking at a side that's consistently good, <clears throat> excuse me, even if they haven't necessarily been the number one team for a long period of, of a given season, the fact that they're just in the mix and don't falter up and down and, and you know get these strong percentages, I think that's a huge reflection on the coach. Uh, do you know what I mean? I, th- I think in terms of stability and, and consistency, the, uh, the coach needs to be respected for that. Now, I actually uh, think people run with the narrative of Geelong overrated. I think they're closer to being underrated because I think people are sick of Geelong and mm. want to see them drop. And um, I'm generalising here, but I think I think they need a lot of credit for where they sit right now. What about the Ds? How do you what do you make of them right now as a team that I think we all kind of considered the best team this year and have been on top of the ladder for most of the year and obviously faltering a bit? What, where do you think the Ds are at? I think they still can figure it all out, get back to their best footy, and put everyone in pretty nefarious position and likely mm. win the flag, but. They need to figure a few things out. There seems to be some, like, I don't know. They had the shit with May earlier in the year, mm. the restaurant incident. Like, yep. maybe there's more behind the scenes. They're doing well hiding talks yeah. of some guys possibly leaving at the end of the year. We'll yeah. get into that later. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, to post a snapshot of where they're at the moment, so they're second on the ladder. So um, my good friend Caden McDonald uh, posted this in the group chat, and he's, it's a comparison of where Melbourne were at round 18 last year and where they're at this year 13 wins yep. both both times uh three losses last year in a draw and their four losses this year their points for was 86 both uh sorry this year and 85 last year and the points against were 66 last year and 65 so as a statistical profile it's almost exactly the same and we're having the same concerns melbourne started the, sa- the year really well um you could argue they probably looked a bit more red hot last year than they did this year and then have faltered mid-season Last year, it was against some bottom teams. This year, it's against some, some better quality sides. Um, but generally speaking, it's a very similar trajectory. And then we had the same question marks over whether or not their forward line would work. Um, obviously, got an elite midfield and their mid-forward connection was off. So 
I guess what I'm saying is we did this like song and dance last year and they came out and won the grand final by 74 <laughs> points. So my view is that Melbourne are going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair to suggest. Obviously, just because they did it last year doesn't mean they couldn't fall in a heap this year. But I am pretty reluctant to jump on the, ooh, is there yeah. trouble at Melbourne bandwagon right now? And I think... Bounce of probabilities, they're still Melbourne. Yeah. So that's they're, they're still my pick for the flag, to yeah. be honest. But it is not clear. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a few contenders there. I'd say, you know, three to four. Yeah, it's pretty bunched. Who, who do you think, actually, while we're on this, could win the flag this year? Well, because I've, I've sort of done my tiers like I have for every party throughout the year. I've got yeah. my top tier, which is Brizzy, Melbourne, Geelong, and Freo. But yeah. Freo's sort of probably teetering a little for me. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'd almost put them in the top four tier rather than the top tier. Interesting. It's borderline, but I just nudged them ahead mm-hmm. of the teams just below. Yep. So, but in terms of teams you could picture winning the flag, how many do you reckon there are? Those four are the realistic ones, but in saying that, last podcast I said Collingwood could possibly do it Mm. from seventh. Mm. They're probably going to be higher on the ladder than seventh based on how they've gone since that podcast. Yeah. Credit to me. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's an even race though, so Uh, like they could jump from third to seventh in a week uh, uh, in the, the way the ladder is currently structured. So, yeah, to, to answer that as well, I, I think Melbourne, obviously, you can see winning the flag. Geelong, yes, it is hard to picture because they often get so close and, and then mm. and falter. But, of, of course, they can win the flag, um, having beaten Melbourne recently. Brisbane, um, consistently good side. Like, mm. I don't think we even talked about them much on the yeah. last pod because there's no yeah. real narrative there. Like, they, they had the bit yeah. of adversity with the, mm. you know, the health and safety protocols and lost a home game against uh, in for Essendon. And then bounce back and beat GWS by 40 points. So around the mark again, but again, not good at the MCG. My, I've got a bit of a point narrative I could make about Brisbane, actually. But I was sort of thinking, talking about Geelong earlier, that's sort of like how we talked about the Chris Scott era. I think mm. they're sort of at the beginning of their Chris Scott era with the Chris Fagan era, we'll say. Oh. But like that sort of era where there's like a group that's sort of... like It's the point I make about them every time they come up. They're trying to set up to have sustained cracks at being in the finals every year and mm. went getting, using that opportunity to win a flag. But I'd say Brisbane is on a very similar trajectory to like that Geelong of 10 years ago, I think. Take me back 10 years ago. 2012? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, okay. So Whereas Chris Scott sort of come yeah. in. Uh, yeah, And they've okay. sort of got a group that's sort of a few older guys, but sort of a group that can build and sustain for a decade. Mm. I think that's what Brisbane has. Mm. And they've already had a few picks at the cherry and they should eventually pip one off maybe. Yeah. I include Fremantle as a team that can win the flag. Uh, I think their ability to beat the top teams has been strong. So, like, uh, we said the same thing about Melbourne last year. I don't think Fremantle was on Melbourne's level uh, last year. But their ability to beat Geelong in Melbourne and or Geelong and then beat Melbourne in Melbourne shows that they can match it with the best on a given day. So, when finals come around, that's a huge boost to them. So The given con- day is the question, though, I think. Yeah, 100%. 100%. They still have the occasional inconsistent vintage Fremantle performance, like the yeah. Sydney game just... They couldn't make a right decision if their life depended on it. Yeah, very true. And, and it's a young side and not many players on that list would have played finals, I'd imagine, at Fremantle. Nah. So that, that is the question mark on them. Having said that, if we're just comparing the, the top quality of football, I think Fremantle's is in that conversation, to be honest. Yeah, when we're playing our best footy, we're as good as anyone. Yeah. And I'm going to go a little bit stronger on you mm. than you on the um, Collingwood point. I think they can win the flag, personally. Yeah. So they currently sit fifth. Um, obviously, they're coming from a longer way back and they're in a dream run at the moment, which means 
you know, on the balance of probabilities, they're going to falter again. Then they've, they've lost some winnable games this year. Not, lost to, uh, sorry, nearly lost to North. And I actually thought that was a huge sign of resilience of that side to not drop that game, to come back from five goals down. Uh, was it three-quarter time, 20 points or something like that? Um, that's a huge sign of a, of a side that is mature yep. because North Melbourne were very good that day and then they yeah. backed it up the following week and beat Richmond. Because yeah. the thing is with the Pies, they've, we've known it all year, even when at the start of the year we figured, yeah, they're in for a down year. Mm. They, we knew they still had that top-end talent that could fuel such a potential in their team. Yeah. But then the young guys have really plugged and played around those key guys mm. and then even Nick Dacos has become one of those key guys in his yeah. first year of football. Yeah, it's it's the youngest amazing. player ever with forty touches and three goals. We criticised their, um, you know, at the end of twenty twenty, the way things were going, and then that looked justified at the. Oh, yeah, I roasted them from memory. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But it's it's their plan has worked perfectly. Mm. They they've got a really they've drafted well, and then obviously some of their players still in their mm. prime. Um, your, your Maynards, Crisps, uh, and then some evergreen guys like Howe and Pendlebury. Like, there's yeah. still a lot of balanced quality there between young yeah. and old as well. And even it seems they have a willingness to let some of that top end talent go out the door, which we'll touch mm. in on the trade element, I guess. But mm. yeah. Goey and Grundy, two yep. guys that might not be there next year. That's true, yeah. And we would have thought that was devastating a couple of years ago. And I remember when they let Trelaw go for nothing, it was so they could re-sign those two. Those <laughs> yeah. two. It's an interesting little aside, but... Yeah. Because they were prioritising repaying those two. Yeah. But it goes to show, I guess, yeah. that you get a good coach in there, which Craig McRae appears to yep. be, um, and you, t- you draft well, like you can overcome perceived mistakes yep. like that so I've got five teams that I think can win the flag I think Richmond are below that group Sydney mm. below that group personally um, but ask me again when I get back from Europe <laughs> and I might have a different opinion depends, <laughs> how, much, depends how much footy I get to watch there. and how much sangria you've had yeah <laughs> sangria I don't think I've never had a sangria in my life <laughs> oh, oh the one night I got on it it was a rough one. Oh, really yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what have you made of Fremantle's form um, the last couple of weeks I thought after the St Kilda win, I was like, geez, they're out. They're a bloody good team. Put a good team in St Kilda to the sword. Obviously, St Kilda had their own issues. And then Fremantle, after a good start, got undone by Sydney. What was it like watching that game and how do you feel? Frustrating, the Sydney game. It was just like the decision-making was just horrid. And mm. like they just allowed Sydney to like lock it in their forward half and just keep having cracks at it. Mm. We weren't able to use our speed and daring to get it out. Yeah which is what we build on and we weren't able to build that and gain the momentum and snowball into a victory. What's your run home like? Do you know? Oh, we got uh, a couple of roughies. I think we got Melbourne one week. Yes, in Perth. You've got yep. Richmond at Marvel. Yeah, we got Richmond this week, but apparently no Dusty or Tom Lynch I saw yesterday, yeah, which yeah. helps. I think they go all right without Dusty. Tom Lynch is a big loss, yeah. though, structurally. Yeah, and plus the fact is they're pissed. they'll be pissed off after that North Melbourne loss. They'll yeah. be out for blood so mm. that's not a team we can sleep on yep no very very uncomfortable surface um. I still think we just hold on to like fourth spot but yeah it's going to be a fight to hold on to fourth yep I think for us yeah I, I think I think you'll be okay I think it's just a typical couple of winnable losses mm. um, after like even the week before the Saints game was the Carlton game I think mm. and that uh. was a bit Nah, there must have been a Perth win. Ah, uh, Port. Ah, yeah, Port. Port yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I think they'll be okay. But yeah, it is a little bit hard to get a read on them. But I think their their best form and the way they've picked apart a couple of contenders um, bodes really well for them. And our defense. Yeah, like it gives me a little bit more confidence of them than the say the Lions who haven't you know 
beaten Geelong in Geelong yet or beaten yeah. Melbourne at the G. I, that, that gives the Dockers that wild card, even though Brisbane are a bit more consistent. And established. So Brisbane are more yeah. likely to definitely make top four yeah. and potentially top two. But I feel like the Dockers still definitely have a potential to, to shake things up and you know make a grand final. So... Um, I hope you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, great year for me as an Eagles fan. <laughs> um, uh, so we'll, we'll break up the podcast a little bit. Um, we're, we're sort of moving down the ladder. We've discussed the top four race, but um, maybe we can talk about some uh, current events. This is a little bit current. It's a couple of weeks old now also, maybe one week old. But we've lost our second coach for the year, Bush. Yep. Leon Cameron first, now David Noble. Yep. Uh, what did you think about this? Did you, I mean, I'm sure to some degree you saw it coming, but did you, did you think the timing was a bit weird? A little, but I think because they brought in that investigation and the investiga- mm. once they'd got the results of the investigation, that was just sort of yeah. like... <laughs> that sounds so sinister. Yeah, investigation's <laughs> probably... What What was the... Yeah, investigation's Re- on the... Yeah, review's review is the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. review's the <laughs> more... Investigation has so many more negative <laughs> connotations. <laughs> but yeah, like the review sort of showed like... And it sounds like there was issues with the way he interacted with players. Like mm. The thing is with David Noble, I think, because he was the head of football or whatever at Brisbane before he got this job, I think he's probably better suited to maybe being that behind like the list management strategic yeah strategic side of thing rather than being the day-to-day guy that deals with the players Mm. based on what you're hearing reported about him yeah it is hard to argue that it could have gone any worse for north they finished last last year they're currently last on the ladder now and for most of this season have been really uncompetitive Uh, the only reason i thought the timing was a little weird was because i thought gee North nearly beat off. Uh, beat off. <laughs> they nearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> Strange tactic, but nearly worked. Um, they nearly pipped Collingwood. It was almost a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I thought that was wow. That was a real good demonstration of what this group is capable of. In in Noble's defence, I think he's also working with the list management decisions that Reshaw and that and Co made, uh, and he sort of inherited a list yeah. that is very young. Mm. And you know. Who are the mature top liners at North? Like Aaron Hall. Yeah. Zebel. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, even, yeah. I don't think that stacks up well yeah. against even some bottom sides. So, um, and that's no disrespect to them. It's more like Zebel's in the twilight of his career, yeah. as is Cunnington. Obviously, he's been going through health issues. Um, and, and so the, the next group that they're looking for is that. 22 to 24 year old yeah, you Sim Canel DU dudes yeah yeah. And, yeah and you know what they've shown really good form this year but they don't have a lot of support like they are doing a lot yeah. um, and they've cut a lot of experience and time will tell that that may pay off in the long run I guess my only point is Noble had to contend with a very inexperienced list yeah um, so that it's tough to get a read on him um, but in terms of wins and losses and general performance yeah I think I saw like the stats for like all time win loss records it was like the worst ever mm. or something yeah, so that's yeah. that's a little harsh because he's just inherited yeah. that list. But an interesting know. one, bloody Bolton was top five for worst records ever, and he had a pretty long crack True. as the current coach, but he was still top five worst records as a coach ever. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so on that though, the wooden spoon race um, is heating up, Bush. I know spoon bowl. this is the real hot topic. I know everyone was getting past the top four race. Yeah, all yeah. right, sick. That part of the podcast is done. Let's talk about who might win the wooden spoon <laughs> because I'm um, being facetious. But in all seriousness, it, I've gone from being confident we wouldn't win it to now thinking we probably will on the basis of North's fortnight. Mm. Uh, the football they've displayed against Collingwood and Richmond and, and shut them down at times and obviously struggled to run out all four quarters in both games. But um, 
or at least play for four quarters in the, in both games. But the top football, I think, has surpassed anything West Coast has produced this year. And I think West Coast have been really improved over the last five weeks. So um, we'll go through the runs home. So North have Hawthorne, Essendon. So two bottom five-ish sides, yeah. bottom six sides. Uh, and then a tough run with Sydney and Frio and then the Suns. But uh, by contrast, West Coast have St Kilda this week, who are a little bit vulnerable. Still would think St Kilda would win that. Gold Coast away, Fremantle, Adelaide and Geelong. So I think it's almost at the point that if one team wins one more game for the rest uh, of the year, they're going to avoid the wooden spoon. And the form North showing right now, and West Coast have had a couple of key injuries as well, I think North are more likely to avoid the spoon than we yeah. are, um, which is just great. Do you have a particular opinion on those? It's tough because you could say North Pip in one of those Essendon Hawthorne games maybe. Mm. Hawthorne and Essendon are playing all right at the moment. Yeah. Like Hawthorne played pretty well against us, but then they're, they're a little bit more bipolar. Whereas Essendon yeah. have genuinely turned their form around. Yeah. They have genuinely been good. They've won four of the last five, I think. Something like that. And beaten some good quality teams in that in mm. that mix as well. Um, so, yeah, it'll be better team on the day. But I think North have the ability to beat Hawthorne this week mm. because of the form they're currently playing with. Yeah. And shout out to Luke Davies Uniac as well. His last five, 33, yep. 17, 35, 33, and 28. Ooh. A player that we've been waiting to come on uh, for quite some time in a side without a lot of support. And he is not only getting plenty of the football, but he's like showing his explosive attributes and, uh, and looking really good. So um, there may be some positives out of this year for North after all, yeah. especially if they get a priority pick. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that they bid today for yeah, I saw an, it uh, yeah, an application? Yeah. So uh, I will get up on my phone. So we did talk about this at length last time about, you know, what is a priority pick and, and, and should yeah. they get one? So we'll expand on that a little bit. So an article today, I'll, um, I'll paraphrase, um, that the, the last clubs to receive priority pick assistance, uh, there was Gold Coast in 2019, mm. and they were given picks one and 20 in the 2019 draft. So that was when they got Raul and Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yep. Then they were given pick 11 in the following draft. And Flanders, pick- wasn't it? Yes, that sounds about right. Uh, um, I think it was Flanders. I feel like the Flanders... Did, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was certainly around there, yeah. Uh, um, and 2019 in... Uh, sorry, pick 19 in 2021. So they got four they draft picks us. then. Yes, four draft picks then. And pick mm-hmm. one is one of them. Three first rounders. Uh, that had come after the Suns had secured just seven wins from the previous two seasons. I think North is sitting on about six. Something like that, uh. Uh, and then had also gone nine campaigns without September action. When was the last time North made the finals? I want to say... Somewhere in the teens. So, so 15, they made a prelim, yeah. and then 16, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know if they fell off the cliff like we did in 16, or if it took them another year. It could might have took them another year to fall off the cliff. Yeah, well, we, so we're talking about five yeah. years plus, I'd say. Yeah. Then uh, in 2018, Carlton received an assistance package, and all they got was two state league players in 2018. They'd won eight games in two years and gone five uh, seasons without football. That's a huge uh, difference in assistance, isn't it? Yeah, they're biased towards because they're really trying to get Gold Coast going mm. and try and make. That's it pretty blatant, yeah. though. Like when I didn't realize mm. that sure. until I saw it mapped out. Like four first round mm. picks versus two state league team players. Yeah. Who they even get? I can't even. Gibbons remember. and someone. Yes, Gibbons was one of them. God. So yeah, we're seeing the inequities of our league here. Uh, Meanwhile, Brisbane in 2016 received uh, pick 19 after winning seven games in two years. So we're talk- they'd gone seven years without finals. So between those three, similar performances, mm. very three very different ways of yeah. being compensated. So I actually have no idea what to expect with North Melbourne. I think 
based on what all that information, I'd say if you're going to give North one this year, it should be 19. Mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I could tolerate that, but yeah. obviously I've got a vested interest in this as an Eagles fan. But yeah. if North get picked one and twenty, yeah. not happy about it. Mm. And it's it's part of that is because it's subjective and it's just yeah. you know them coming up with an arbitrary process, and it's going to be based around you know how well equipped mm. North are to come back. And yeah. that's where I, I think know. nineteen seems fair because they've shown that they've got a bit of upside in the yeah. team at this point. Since we get to be subjective, we've seen the last couple yeah. of weeks since they've sacked Noble. I'm okay with it. 19's okay, I think. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Especially because they could flip it for something as well. Like it's a very tradable asset. Yes. The first pick of the second round because you get that night between the first round mm. and the second round, so they can suss teams go. Oh, that kid we loved slipped, so we yeah. can send two seconds or whatever. I'm okay with a with a priority pick system. Like I can tolerate. I don't love it. Um, I'm a bit more capitalist in that sense mm. like every man for himself but i think the the arbitrary part of it really fucks me off yeah to be honest. you need it to be consistent P- criteria when as we just saw it mapped out the the three ways the teams were rewarded were completely different so i will let the comments suggest as well what's what would be fair you know it would be an interesting concept say north get pick 10 mm. they have to trade it huh? they can trade it for more picks maybe well, we'll give them Rory Lobb for it. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe they have to trade it for at least an established player as part of it. I like that, yeah. can, that can be manipulated as well. But if they don't use the pick, the pick disappears. Huh? That could be an interesting concept. Hmm? I don't know. Huh? Think about it. But yeah, just gifting them pick one would be... Uh, a bit excessive, I think. Yeah. Another year of shit without giving them anything, maybe. Mm. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. If they're going to specifically give them one this year, 19, I think... Yeah, I could what tolerate that. I could tolerate that. But again, I, I'd like some more clear criteria yeah. for how they're giving away these picks. Because uh, as I said, like I'm an Eagles fan and when would the Eagles ever be given any priority? I, I know I'm, speaking, yeah. I'm making a hypothetical argument here, but I just do not believe West Coast would be given on it. Like, say You'd we have finished, to suck hard for a while. Say we had two wins this year, we back it up next year. With, I don't think we're mm. going to get pick one offered to us. Yeah, that... Again, um, it's, it's mm. a weak argument to make because... Like, it hasn't happened, mm. but I just... My gut feel is... Not. And I think you'd, they'd probably be a little biased against you guys as well because of the financial security 100%. West Coast has compared to, like, a North Melbourne, which yeah. is always the first team mentioned when they want to move a team somewhere. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Just on that, we can probably segue into a little bit of draft, Hawk Bush. We're getting mm. closer to that part of the year where the draft is on certain fans' minds. Um, <laughs> don't want to dominate the podcast with it, but I think, the, obviously, you... you Looking at five or six teams here who are completely out of the finals race, so they're looking at what can we get at the end of the year as a reward for this painful season. I'm certainly one of them. <laughs> so, have you kept up with the draft at all? Do you have any? Not really. Okay. I know about Will Ashcroft a little bit. Yeah, Father Son. He's a fancy pick. One. He had like yeah. 50 touches one game, which is pretty nuts. But I can give you a snapshot of of how. Are piecing together other people's work, obviously, uh, as, as we all are. Most draft analysis is piecing yeah. up of people's work, I find. Although, uh, more so now than ever, we can watch yeah. the game. So, I watch WA versus Allies. My God, WA suck. Um, sorry, boys. That's so disrespectful <laughs> to these under-18s who are so yep. much more talented than me. Uh, but let me free phrase that. I don't know... Uh, I don't follow that much, but like I don't remember West Coast, sorry WA losing to the Allies in a game. Yeah, before. that's, that's uh, and it was then. pretty uncompetitive too. Um, 
and, and then we I watched the All Star Game as well, which you had probably the top twenty prospects playing that. Yeah. So I do have a bit of an opinion on some of these kids, but putting together like the consensus rankings is what's yeah. helpful. So because that helps you understand how teams are thinking, so that's how you can value yes. them as an asset. Yeah. So this year's an interesting one where um, there's no clear pick one. I think there's a bit of a growing school of thought that Will Ashcroft <laughs> is the man, but certainly among some of the amateur watchers, it's not necessarily always Ashcroft at the top. Mm. So Ashcroft is a father-son for the Brisbane Lions. He's not yet nominated for him, and he's Victorian-based. So there is a little bit of a question mark that he might not nominate him, but we don't really know. It's um, There's no strong rumor yeah. either way. Um, so you got him at the top, potentially. It's probably the consensus pick one. There's another kid who's close, isn't there? So there's a guy called George Wardlaw, That's, I think. Yeah, might yeah be as, a, as a midfielder. I think he's injured at the moment. Might play yeah. later in the champ, so hard to get a read on him just yet. But, but even with Wardlaw and then the next group, there's there's it's pretty tight. So unfortunately, like as an Eagles fan, it's not a great year to have pick one. Like contrasted to last yeah. year, obviously you had teams bidding for pick one. Some of the ridiculous offers of like uh, what was it, seven, fifteen, twenty six, and twenty eight. It was like even Adelaide offered for their next this year's first and yeah. something else yeah yeah so uh, a clear value placed on pick one whereas I don't think we're going to get that this year partly because Ashcroft who is getting he got some love from Toomey this week and talking yeah. him up so maybe he is that good but he is potentially father son so that, yeah. that's not really part of the thinking so there's Wardlaw and then there's a young fellow called Harry Sheasel a bit of a Toby Green type uh, as I understand it, there's a Matthias Matthias Philippou from um, Oh, that might have been who I was thinking of. That, yeah. yeah. He, he's um, like a big body, taller midfielder who's sort of uh, bolted up recently and he's got a late birthday. So um, Elijah Sardis was someone who's was a pick one contender, a fast wingman, skillful. Uh, at the start of the year, he's dropped down and Buzzlinger is uh, probably in that mix as well. He's the back, ain't he? Key back yeah, from the WA. WA back, yeah. But yeah, I guess there's a group of about four or five teams there where, sorry, players there where it's just not clear what the order is and pick what the clear best player might not be available. So it's not a great year to have pick one or two, to uh, be honest. Um, I, I'm of the view that we could look at trading it because hmm. um, I think Harry Sheasel, the, the Toby Green type player, yeah. is rumoured to not want to leave yeah. Victoria, pulling yeah. Bailey Smith, Chad Wingard back yeah. in the day. Um, It'd be interesting to see if Ashcroft was more or less motivated to you play the father son card if you guys mm. were the spoon versus north or whatever. Yeah, that that, that is an interesting Cause consideration. He's, yeah. He has alluded to the fact he won't necessarily nominate mm. Mm. Ashcroft. I know that because he kind of wants to be the number one pick, and he true doesn't not necessarily attached to Brisbane. Yeah, being Victorian based, maybe yeah. he'd be happy to be playing at North. Uh, mm. I do think that if he's willing to leave the state, why wouldn't he go to Brisbane? Yeah. He wouldn't want to go to West Coast. I don't know what the deadline is for nominating, to be honest. But then what it does change then, let's say he nominates for the open pool, uh, wants to go pick one, and West Coast get pick one. Uh, suddenly then, I think you could get a bidding war for him. In yeah. which case, I again want to trade it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So if we get... Uh, in this scenario, maybe let's say, obviously it'd be great to have Ashcroft, but... As an interstate side, we're always going to be wary of the kids that might want to go home. Yeah. So if Ashcroft wants to stay in Victoria, that's where we'd be like, okay, Essendon, mm. Hawthorne, who wants him? Yep. And, and then create a bit of a bidding war. But that could be a good scenario mm. for us. Um, but anyway, that's just a bit of a snapshot on, on the top handful of draft picks. Yeah. It, it doesn't appear to be a really deep draft at this stage, um, which is a little bit um, surprising just given logically 
with two compromised drafts, you'd think there'd be a bit of a concentration of talent, uh, like sort of missed out talent. I suppose we had the mid-season draft, someone mm. like Jai Colley, uh, who missed out last year, and what was one of those players. Um, but yeah, so that yeah, that's it's shallow and no clear top end. Mm. Um, it's sort of like 2017, perhaps. Uh, 17 was Rayner. Yeah. Um, and then Brayshaw, Chera, LDU, Dow. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but even the, the, the whole top five there, yeah. there wasn't a clear... Yeah. I remember like an LDU at the time. Yeah. yeah. And then Brayshaw yeah. came from nowhere and yeah. off the top of my head would be the best player comfortably out of that group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Brayshaw. Hopefully we replicate your form there. Um, talk about some trade talk. Again, it's a little bit early in the season, but it's starting to heat up a little bit. Yeah, you're hearing some chatter. Some uncontracted uh, players yet to re-sign. Yep. And usually there's um, where there's smoke, there's fire with some of these. Let's talk about Luke Jackson. He's probably the biggest name, one of the biggest names, yep. to uh, to be potentially on the move this year after just three years at Melbourne. Yep. Um, Rumoured to come, want to come back to WA. I think he's a bit crazy <laughs> to, to want to do that, but I don't know his situation. But I also think, why the hell would you leave Melbourne right now? Would I think because Fremantle are backing up a dump truck full of money to his house. Yeah. Um, we will give you this for the next eight years. Well, that's compelling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you get to come home and be with your friends and shit. I suppose. I don't know. I, everyone's motivated differently. And maybe if I was offered $800,000 a year uh, versus five hundred, I'd probably be thinking along the same lines. But I also want, I like to think that I'd be motivated by success and... Fremantle looking good, don't get me wrong, but Melbourne over the article already, like the finished article yeah. already, they're like potentially going to win multiple flags here. If I were Still, him, he I'd... might get the second flag this year and he'll have two up his sleeve. Yeah, that is a game changer, potentially. Um, so he might have the best of both worlds there. Hmm. But anyway, I guess that wasn't really why I wanted to bring him up. I just thought, yeah. you know, what are your thoughts on Fremantle potentially acquiring him? And West Coast is certainly yeah. in the hunt as well. Well, because we seem to be big game hunting a bit with the free agents and stuff. And apparently there's like, you hear the like, reporting's whispers. Apparently we've assured his management or whatever, where we'll have the assets to trade for him mm. to get it done. Especially because our other targets seem to be free agents. So That seems wild to me. So how do you think, given Fremantle only have, sorry, pick 15 right now, and I think their yep. next pick is 76. Obviously, mm. they've got next year's picks. How can they make this work? I think, well, Lob seems to be out the door, mm. so, and the dogs are into him. So hopefully we can get there first out of that, because Lob sort of, luckily for us, has played a better year than he had last year. So he's resurrected his value a bit more, I think. You. That, yeah, I mean, I even that. And then a future first on top of those two. And then yeah. Meek, maybe if they have interest in Lloyd Meek, because apparently cause he's one that's in a tough spot because he's a pure ruck, not a forward ruck, and we've already got Darcy. So he wouldn't really add much to the deal. I think I think mm. he's actually a decent young player, um, but in terms of trade value, he's mm. virtually nothing. So to rely on Rory Lobb getting, say, pick 11 or 12, as a neutral fan, I look at that, and it may happen, but I think, Surely the dogs don't do that. Mm. Do well, apparently mean? they've offered him a four-year deal. Yeah, but yeah, yeah that, that is the, best case scenario. And yeah. the thing is that as well because it seems like this is if we get in guys like Angus Brayshaw and Luke Jackson, I'm happy with the land those people. But it sounds like it's going to be at the expense of a few players that have sort of where we've really built the culture that you've seen this year, like. Griffin Logue, for example, someone, a local boy we drafted in pick seven. He's been a part of that young group that's all grown together and built what we have now. He's a big part of that. Sounds like we might be pushing him out the door to make this happen, which I think is very detrimental. Mm. 
more even to the broader culture of the club, not even just what Logue himself brings as a good swing man who can play both forward and back. And then Blake Akers is another example of that. Apparently, we've only offered him a one-year deal off of the wow. back of his very good form this year. Wow. And there's some clubs back A's for the throwing three-year deals at him for more money. And the thing is, like, that's like guys like Akers, we've brought in a few guys like that that are undervalued at other clubs. We've brought them in and given them a role and made them really good, like Akers, Travis Collier, even Will Brody, Jordan Clark. Mm-hmm. Like The culture of having those undervalued guys and a young group we've grown together, like losing some of that, the other guys will see that we've been willing to give that up to land the big fish. So mm. I feel like it could be detrimental culturally, depending how we go about it. Yeah, I agree with all of that. That was what I was going to sort of pull. That thread was what I was going to pull next. But I guess on the whole, what do you what do you want Fremantle to do here? I still want Jackson, I must say, because yeah. I think him and Darcy, especially because I think Luke Jackson still has the potential to be a very good key forward mm. that can complement in the ruck when him and Darcy switch. Yeah. So I think. Luke Jackson's that raw and that talented and that much potential it's worth going for still, especially because we have the salary cap. Yeah. Because of guys like Chero leaving, Rory Lobb leaving's on good money. Mm. A few of the young guys haven't signed extensions yet, so I think there's an opportunity to spend some money there. Yeah. It is it is a dangerous ploy, I think. Just I think of how many times a team has really blown the budget to get a player and and i wonder Mm. how many times it's really resulted in flags and stuff like that so that's probably just a little bit of concern i would have um and and from a west coast perspective because we are still going for jackson as well apparently definitely yeah definitely a player of need my concern is what's it going to cost a side that is entering a rebuild phase needs young talent and he fits the bill in terms of what like we need a ruckman and he's talented and he's um would you trade one straight up for him? Yes, I would. Yep. I think, yeah, if you if you drafted Luke Jackson at pick one, if he entered the open draft, yeah, you'd be happy with that. He probably yep. would be taken with pick one. I, I think he would cost more than that. Yeah, probably. I, I think Melbourne would ask for more than that, and that's where I would... That's my reluctance. Yeah. Pick, say, one in 20, our first two picks in this year's draft. I think it's just risky, mm. really risky. Um, and you've taken that risk before on someone like a Tim Kelly. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think... We yeah, in a different position than you were when you took that yes, yeah. Kelly position. We'd have to apply right. for an exemption to even go for it because we mm. have to use our pick one. But apparently, mm. there's these arbitrary rules where we can just apply for an exemption and we can do it. <laughs> and I think the article I read suggested that because Jackson's 21 or 22, mm. we're likely to get that granted. Yeah. Because, you know, you're not... It's not like a 28-year-old yeah. um, established player again. So, um, so it sounds like we both have a little bit of reluctance. It's just... It's, um, it's a tough one. There's a lot of risk and reward involved mm. in the in the deal like this for Jackson. Um, we'll talk about another Ruckman in Victoria. Um, Brody Grundy might be potentially leaving Collingwood. Who do you think would be a good suitor for a 28-year-old out-of-favour Ruckman who's probably going to... He's still contracted on heavy dollars and Collingwood probably have to pay some of it. But I'm struggling to think of sides that would really... The one that comes to mind for me is Port Adelaide because he's a South Australian... He is, yeah. And there was talk of him going home before Collingwood gave him the big motherload deal that they did. Yeah. So that option could be back on the table. Adelaide, Port Adelaide are probably in need of a ruck, I guess, because Scotty Lysette's been on and off the park. Yeah. He's getting a bit older. They don't really have much ruck depth beyond him, especially mm. after trading Laddams. Mm. Yeah, I suppose the Port makes sense because I think they'll, even though it's been a poor year for them, 
still consider themselves in the mix next yep. year. Like that's the way their list profile is, and they've already recruited young guys before. They just had the shit first five weeks. Other than that, they've probably been about the mark for yeah. finals team if it wasn't for that first five weeks. Well, that's true. Let's say they pinched two wins, they'd be in the eight right now. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, still mm. a fair way off their own expectations. But yeah, yeah. Um, the the other one that comes to mind is GWS, who mm. like constantly needed Ruckman. Um, and it does seem logical because another name I, I'm probably bringing him up preemptively, but Taranto is a name you're mm. going to bring up in this segment. And I mm. think Collingwood is a logical place for Taranto for me. Yeah. Especially because it sounds like they're pushing Dugowie out, so he'd come in and yeah. play that Dugowie bullish forward well mid forward type role i'd almost even question just gws's need though even though i was the one who brought him up i just think like for a side that's just made the bottom four um especially if taranta goes the other way uh, um i suppose they could get grundy and they'll still have a very strong draft hand if they mm. lose taranto uh, richmond is another side i think could make a play for taranto um collingwood have picks 14 42 46 and 47 so not a good draft mm. hand this year so even Grundy, I don't think, has much value if they're offloading him for money. Uh, so that will be tough to get it done, I think, for Collingwood, whereas Richmond have 11, 19, and 29. Mm. Um, potentially Liam Baker, another player that could be on the move back home. Um, and then future picks plus, they've drafted heavy. Like, they took five uh, early picks last year. So I think in terms of the ability to get it done, I think Richmond's probably better, but it obviously Toronto needs to decide. Curveball team for Grundy's Geelong. Because they're always yeah. needing a money. I think will be the issue. Yeah, there. definitely. Mm. Especially you'd hope. Yeah. Otherwise, that would <laughs> yeah. qualify for an investigation. Oh yeah. Um, Not a review, a full investigation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thoughts on stars like Dusty and Buddy? Where do you think they could end up? Buddy's an interesting one. I like because I because considering he's a free agent, I, for Freo, I wouldn't mind having a swing. Because mm. if like front load him. We can af- like we're in a position where we can make a tilt for flag. Our key forwards aren't mm. as consistent as my guards. In other words, not very consistent. Like even in eight, pause. like even Buddy's out kicked Leroy Lobb, who was our leading goal kicker this year. Buddy's yeah. kicked more goals. Buddy with a midfield like ours, giving him service, would be able to produce. I think give us something to work with. You'd think it would rely on failing to get Jackson. Mm. Think. Yeah, I'd yeah. If you couldn't probably pull off him and Jackson. Gross. <laughs> Story of your life. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's a bit of talk on the Eagles board discussing the Buddy Franklin to West Coast. I just think that would probably be the most <laughs> be the most counterintuitive thing <laughs> yeah. you could do in the Eagles' current position. Uh, the only reason I'm even suggesting it for Freo is because we're in a position where we could win the flag in the next yeah. two years while he's still got anything in the tank. He's from WA, mm. and we've got the money to spend. In yeah. theory, if we don't land these other whales we're after. I'd be interested to see what compensation that would generate because it would be based on his contract, which would uh, be high dollars, but probably two years. Yeah, that'd be a thing. You'd, you'd think Sydney'd be happy to let him go if they're getting a... Yeah, fir- even mid- a top 30 pick. Yeah. Like, that's a bloody good deal for a 35, 36-year-old yeah. player. Um, and then, you know, if, if Buddy does make a move, then you'd think that opens the door. I, I think there's talk about Dusty. I have no idea where he's going to go. Yeah. I think Sydney makes a lot more sense than GWS. I think, yeah, he fe- feels like he just wants to get out of the footy bubble. Yeah, like interesting. Yeah. I don't really have any idea what his intentions are, but Richmond mm. seemed to open the door for him to leave with their, some of their comments. I think Hardwick said he wouldn't, uh. he'd forgive him. But maybe, maybe he's just talking yeah. out of the ass. But, but Dusty to the Swans makes sense for all mm. parties there, I think. Uh. Do you know what I mean? Like Sydney, Sydney are in, in the mix yep. to get Dusty as a like impact forward yeah. for a couple of years. Like... Yeah, it'd be a good one. 
Sweet. So we'll jerk violently, <laughs> so to speak, back to um, the latter talk. I just wanted to break up the pod a little bit. Yep. Um, last, Like last year, Bush, I remember making the comment that nobody wants eighth spot. Uh, and there's a little bit of a... At this snapshot of t- in time mm. right now, it's it's similar. I think last year was a bit more extreme. Like, West Coast finished ninth, uh, and they were absolutely putrid. Like, mm. probably one of the worst teams in the comp. Um, and Essendon justifiably made it, but obviously haven't looked good since... Uh, but my point this year is that uh, these there's been opportunities for teams to really consolidate their top eight spot over the last month, and all of them are faltering to yeah, some extent. Yeah, they've all taken turns shit in the bed. Exactly, yeah. Story of your Saturday night. Um, <laughs> so suddenly the dogs are ahead of the Saints, mm. whereas a few weeks ago we thought St Kilda clearly better than the dogs. Yeah. Uh, I think the dogs have beaten the, the Saints in that time as well. Mm. Um, but the door is still open for um, eight for the Saints. Uh, suddenly the Saints, yeah, just look nowhere near it. So they've won one of their last six, um, and they beat Carlton that time. Sure. Um, who else? They lost to Essendon, the Dogs, mm. two sides that won't play finals. Well, the Dogs could. I had the Dogs slipping in at eight, actually. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, borderline eight yeah. spot. Fair, fair play. Uh, Sydney, Frio, and the Lions. So that's a tough run there. Uh, and then in between they've beaten Carlton. But I think they've just looked poor as mm. well. And now Riders out for four to six. Which hurts them. Yeah. Um, suddenly this game against West Coast... It's a bit of a danger game, not because I think West Coast are amazing. I think they're plucky and competitive. And St Kilda are vulnerable to playing a plucky and competitive yeah. team right now. Certainly. Um, Rowan Marshall's going to have a field day against Bailey Williams and yeah. probably Josh Rotham in the ruck because yeah. all the other rucks are Especially with Stranatica retiring. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. I don't know what's happened there. But um, yeah, so I guess... I'm talking a lot about the Saints here in particular, but they're a team that looked like they could contend for the four five weeks ago, um, or at least be like threatening it. Yeah. And now they're bored. Well, will they come eighth? Probably not. If you think the dogs will make eighth, because I think. Yeah. Um, because I had dogs eight for Richmond nine. Yeah. Saints who's 10. six and seven at the moment? You got Sydney and Carlton. Carlton, yeah. So both of those teams, I think they should yeah. they should be better. But then again. Teams keep proving us wrong. Even Richmond are faltering yeah. in terms of particularly their ability yeah. to run out games. But yeah, even looking at my like post-round 12 tiers, I had St Kilda in that top four tier, but now post-round 18, I've got them in the scraping in the finals but missing finals tier, yeah. realistically. Yeah, gotcha. Um, Richmond in particular are blowing like, late leads. Mm. Um, in fact, it's been a bit of a case throughout the year. So obviously against North, um, they... Uh, no, they came back hard against North and lost. That's right. Um, that might have just ruined my entire point that I was building <laughs> there. Yeah, North were leading and Richmond yeah. struggled to come back and uh, eventually lost. Uh, I guess either way, it's not a four-quarter performance. Mm. Uh, but the Gold Coast one is the one that really stands out. Obviously, getting 40 points in front uh, and losing to the Suns after the siren. Uh, earlier in the year, they had a 20-point lead against Carlton in the fourth quarter. That was round one, actually, yeah, yeah. and uh, ended up losing the game. And then uh, I think in round three, they led the Saints in the last quarter or something like that. Uh, and they lost by 33 points uh, yeah. by the end of the game. So hmm. uh, some fade outs here for Richmond really making them vulnerable. But I, yeah. I don't know if you'd agree, but I think their best football they've played this year is like top six quality. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, think, I do think all the way down to 12th, you've got teams that are good enough to be around the mark for eighth. Yeah. Um, with Gold Coast and Port, the yeah. bottom sides of that. Yeah, I had them in their own separate group, but yeah, mm. I still rate them. Yeah, but there's just been... It's it's unpredictable at the moment. Mm. I, I don't... 
have a clear view on who out of the Bulldogs, Carlton, and Richmond. Um, Richmond eighth. Uh, yes, I think, I think so. Yeah, are, yeah. So yeah, we're talking about Richmond, the Bulldogs, and St Kilda. I think narrowed at that three. But even the, the Suns and Port are only just behind. Yeah. So the Dogs are only 3% behind Richmond now. Yeah. So you just contrast the narratives of this year. The Dogs are going horribly, Richmond yeah. going well, and there's three points. Like even the St Kilda points, I've just pulled the ladder up then, their percentage is only 101. Yeah. So if Port Adelaide or Gold Coast mm. get a win and St Kilda don't, they'll overtake them because yeah. they've got the better percentage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, interesting uh, run. So, you, you reckon the Dogs will make it? Yeah, they're the one I picked. The runs seemed pretty comparable between Saints, Dogs, and yeah. Richmond for me. So, I sort of just chose the Dogs. I'll, I'll probably go Richmond, but I don't say that with full confidence. Half the reason I went the Dogs is so I could put Richmond in ninth for the mm. memes. So, yeah. <laughs> take it with a pinch of salt. Well, I just finished roasting the Dogs for their insipid Friday night performance against Sydney. That mm. was only a week ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Yeah. But the dogs, are, they have firepower, mm. so he can't rule them out. Yeah. Um, I guess the final touching point on the pod before we wrap up, Bush, is... I've um, got a quick point I've just thought of I'd like to make generally. Next season, I want to see them have the fixture for the whole season mm. done because they're making it up this year. Like, Fremantle got shafted, I reckon, a bit. In what sense? Like, we played Carlton round six, and then like, they scheduled it for the first half, and then they had us pretty much immediately play Carlton after they scheduled the second half. And then... They've stuck us against the hard teams. The, the whole fixture was released at the start of the year. It's just that they didn't determine the times, you know? Nah, they've... Yeah, made, no, no, we've been playing G- Geelong and GW, GMHBA for the whole year in the final round. Mm. I think you got that wrong. I reckon I they've it's, fucking it's made the, it up as they've gone along. It's the times time that have changed. The, the times that don't... Mm. I, I reckon the full, this full season was fixtured. Let us know in the comments. Yeah, I think they've made up the second half. <laughs> um... But, yeah, in general, in any case, you'd think next year we're past a little bit the prospect of COVID shutting down, mm. like, airports and stuff, you'd hope. Uh, <laughs> well, finals is like going to be interesting with the COVID as an aside yeah, with future that's waves. True. That is actually a real concern mm. because it, it happened as recently as last week with Brisbane. Brizzy, yeah. Um, and I think it happened to a couple of Victorian teams as well uh, in that. I, I kind of missed who it was. Um yeah, There's like two or three health and safety pr- protocols, like maybe the Saints mm. or something. I'm starting to forget. Um, Richmond maybe a few. Could have been. Yeah, I yeah. forget. Apologies. But uh, yes, a massive mm. concern. And, um, you know, here in Perth, I got COVID since the last time we did the podcast, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and I somehow avoided it despite being in a single yeah. cab ute with you. Yeah, yeah. That's and having true. you fart on me in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> true footy exposed. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, but it clearly doesn't carry the virus, the fart waves. Um, but yeah, long story short, um, wave going through at the moment of this new... Um, sub-variant now. Yeah, sub-variant. sub-variants now. Because they realise people got sick of variants now, they're sub-variants. <laughs> it, they got um, to spook us with new terminology every now and again. Yeah. Well, it rolled me mm. for three days and then I was all right. But um, yes, a serious concern going yep. forward. Um, final point of the pod, uh, we just want to acknowledge Nick Dacos. What a star. <sighs> oh, yeah. So 40 and 3. Fucking, yeah, I mentioned the youngest ever, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Youngest Collingwood player to get 10 coaches' votes in a game as well. Uh, uh, I had some stats comparing him to Sam Walsh. Ooh. Okay. So he's averaging one and a half more disposals. So he's averaging 26 and a half disposals. Is a this game. both of their stats this year and or no, both of their sorry, first year stats? Sorry, yes, good point. Uh, comparing both of their first years. Okay, yep. Uh, so 26 and a half versus 25. Um, 
one less tackle a game. Who's the bigger tackle? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm butchering this. Walsh averaged one more tackle a yep. game. Um, Walsh averaged four, three and a half more contested possessions, so won a bit more of his own ball. Uh, efficiency was the main difference, so 77 Dacos and 65 Walsh. Yeah. Um, and meters gained 401 Dacos, 316 Walsh. Uh, score involvements were similar, but Dacos 0.7 higher. Uh, and clearances, 1.8 to Dacos and 3.4 to Walsh. So uh, yeah. Dacos has him covered on a lot of that. One thing that I'll say for Walsh inside. is he's playing inside yep. mid a lot yeah. more, and uh, Dacos is playing that more unaccountable defensive role. Yeah. So um, I'd say, I, I'm not going to say that Dacos is clearly better than Walsh. I mm. think Walsh was a bit more... Um, <laughs> Stunning to me in the sense that he was yeah. winning his own ball a little bit more, but even, it's pretty close. Even like Joycey asked in our group chat earlier, it was like he said, who, who were the four options? It was Walsh, Dacos, Horn, Francis, and Matt Rowe. Mm. And most of us chose Walsh just because of the extra runs on the board. Yeah, he's sort of shown he's got the highest floor of the yeah probably the group. I'd agree with that currently, but I, I don't really. Dacos any, could pip him though. I think I was going to say I don't really have any doubt that Dacos is going to be a star midfielder. It's yeah. just right now he's playing possibly. I'd say mm. let's give Walsh some credit. I think mm. Dacos is playing an easier role than Walsh did. Yeah. However, I don't. I still don't remember an mm. eighteen-year-old other than Walsh playing as well as Dacos. Like forty and three yeah. is stupid. That's mm. insane. So I would have been interested to see if Rao got a full season that first season. True. Yeah, even he like he was a bit more. He was more clearance even definitely. Than either of them. Yeah, I couldn't see him getting four even that year, shortened quarters though. Yeah. Uh, but he was a game breaker like, yeah. in that time as well, which is stunning. Yeah, actually thought of one final little <laughs> debate here for the podcast um, as a WA special. Uh, only bringing this up because Joycey brought it up in the group chat that we have. It was a bit of I think it was a bit of a so, little bit of social media around it because I had yeah. the conversation the night before with Beery about the same topic. Yeah. So anyone who doesn't follow the WA teams can probably switch off. It's not that interesting. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's a good interesting chat because we always have a good balance of West Coast and Fremantle uh, opinions on here. Yeah. And the, the topic Joycey brought up was... It was a screenshot from God knows who. Let's call it Seven yeah. AFL. I, yeah, I think it was Seven AFL. I never paid attention. Yeah. Um, saying Josh Kennedy has just surpassed Pavlich as the greatest goal scorer from a West Australian club. Um, who was better? Something like that. Mm. And Joycey said, <laughs> the way he phrased it was funny. He's like, I wouldn't go as far to say as I'm insulted, <laughs> <laughs> but Pavlich was comfortably better. So that spurred a little bit of a, a healthy debate. I thought yeah. it was pretty respectful. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, how do you compare and contrast Matthew Pavlich and Josh Kennedy as footballers? Well, I sort of think like Pav is a better in multiple roles. Like Pav's that guy that's like a eight and a half out of 10 defender midfielder forward mm-hmm. he's proven that as an all australian in all three lines yeah he's probably more than an eight and a half forward but i agree yeah. with your point but like yep. we are talking about a guy who kicks 700 goals yeah so outstanding forward and yep. very very good midfielder and back i mean we say midfielder like it was a while between drinks in terms of him playing midfield like it wasn't mm. like he was a prodigious midfielder for his whole career he was sort of like a mid mid 20 sort of posy type of midfielder yeah did he get an uh, so joyce made the point that he got all australian in multiple positions yeah did he get all australian midfielder yeah yeah right what year was that uh oh 80-ish i'd guess as a wingman maybe probably a wing year yeah. or an interchange mid that's an outstanding achievement yeah and the th- like, so I'd crunch the numbers on like how prestigious making an Australian is. It's twenty-two out of, it was like seven hundred players or whatever is in the AFL. Like yeah, forty-four times eighteen, whatever that is, it was twenty-two over that. It was the top two point seven percent of players mm. make the All Australian twenty-two. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. So Pav did that in multiple positions. So mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. But my thing, because I ultimately did lean towards JK even as a Dockers fan in this one, is just he's just was the best forward arguably of his era. Mm. Whereas Pav was just sort of like close to that mark. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, you and you Coleman sort of, and Flags are bigger yeah. achievements than pretty much anything. The flag doesn't really weigh into me personally because I think comparing it to like basketball, you have a lot less impact on how well your team does as a yeah. single player. So the flag doesn't weigh in for me. I, I agree with your logic. I actually didn't have a strong opinion either way. I, mm. I think I said it's a toss up. The it reason is being, toss up, I, yeah. I think Kennedy was the better forward. Mm. Um, you know, he played significantly less games. You can make the point that have played around the ground than yeah. in a worst team it wasn't that much worse i would argue because yeah. west coast had down years and Fremantle had good years mm. in that time as well it'd say west coast were the slightly better side uh but i think jk was just a prodigious forward that mm. was consistently close to the best in the game at yeah. times best in the game was like i don't know what pav's highest finished on the coleman's been I yeah d- i don't know what the, i don't have that information but i don't think maybe top maybe a top five or two in yeah. there but I think Kennedy could go down as probably possibly West Coast's second best ever player, and that's mm. that's a huge testament to how good he is because West Coast obviously have a pretty proud history yeah. for thirty five years or whatever. Who's that best player? Judd. Oh, me. so you traded your best player for your second best player? True. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, we won't go on a segue about yeah. Kennedy versus Cousins of material or yeah. that, but I mean, the, the the resume stacks up, I think. Mm. Um, but Kennedy is just an insanely talented player. Like, he can still do stupid things. Like, we yeah. are still generating so few inside 50s, and at 35 years old, barely physically able to play, he's still doing ridiculously good things. And there was, I think, a couple of years where he won the common in a row, and then the one before that, or in, like yeah. after that, he missed out in the final round because Buddy kicked eight, and uh, Kennedy had missed five games or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. Kennedy the better forward. Pavlich... Possibly the better overall player. I don't have yeah. a strong opinion, and certainly I'd say probably the. I would say probably the better, like more skilled overall, mm. can do more things on a football field, talented player. But in pure mm. forward, Josh pure Kennedy's forward, hard Kennedy to beat. Yeah, I he's agree with close that. to all time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Pav, Pav quite had Kennedy in, in terms mm. of forward, but yeah. Overall, I don't have a strong opinion. I, I could I could concede and say Pavlich, um, but I will put it up to the the comment section as well. Who. Um, who do you think was the better player? I think age will come into this as well because, um, mm. you know, Pavlich obviously played almost a generation before yeah. Kennedy. Well, not really, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Anyway, we'll wrap wrap up the podcast there. Um, it's been good. Um, yeah, probably won't do one until September now. Yep. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll be away, guys. I'll still do videos until I leave, but, um, but for now, yeah. uh, we'll probably bid um, adieu as they say. Um, Thank you for your time, Bushra. Thank you for your hospitality. Always. we'll, We'll see you soon, guys. Take it easy. Double shuggers.